Welcome to this Brewery Pro podcast. This podcast was part of Hop Products Australia's 2021 Virtual Harvest Program. The opportunity to brew with green hops only comes around once a year, and each beer is unique. Join HPA's Owen Johnston for a Q&A with Scott Overdorf, co-founder and head brewer at Hobart Brewing Company, to discuss the challenges of brewing with green hops and how to overcome them. Welcome to Bushy Park Estates, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Owen Johnston, Head of Sales and Marketing. Fresh hop, wet hop, harvest ales. We use these terms interchangeably to describe any beer style brewed with unkilned, freshly picked hops. Every harvest, we make green hops available. It's a great way for us to connect with innovative brewers who want to know exactly where their hops come from and to remind drinkers of the link between Australian brewing and Australian agriculture. G'day guys. G'day Owen. We're teaming up with Scott Overdorf and Alex Grant from Hobart Brewing Co to walk you through our green hop program and the nuances of brewing with green hops. Scott, it's not your first time on the farm and you're a great supporter of Australian varieties. Yes, our core range of Hobart Brewing Company beers all feature Australian hops grown here at Bushy Park Estates. But harvest is a rare opportunity for us to show a different side of hops through green hop beers. Pretty obvious that as farmers we live for this time of year. Does it resonate with you? Yeah, as brewers we get just as excited as you guys do. It's really great to come out, meet the team and collect our green hops in person since you never really know when the hops are going to ripen and be ready for collection, our brewing schedule becomes a little loose around this time of year. So picking up the green hops is the easy part. Hopefully you've got an empty tank. Yeah, the provenance and the unpredictability of the green hop program is what allows us to tell a story about the beer and give our drinkers a uh, new sensory experience every year. Guys, thanks very much for coming out to collect green hops today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to host you on the farm at this time of year and I look forward to joining you down at the brewery for the next stage of the process to see if we can create that new sensory experience for the drinker. We're in your world now, guys, so what's the plan? So we've picked up our hops from the farm and taken them straight back to the brewery. And uh, there are a couple of really uniquely challenging factors to brewing with green hops, but that's half the fun. Yeah, they're, they're less concentrated than pellets, so you need more of them to achieve the uh, same level of flavor and aroma. Green hops also provide a distinctly fresh, vibrant, and herbaceous flavor profile without the bitterness you get when using pellets. And because they're 80% water, they tend to expire quickly, uh, which is why we need to use them within 24 to 48 hours of harvest. Can you tell me what hops you're using and into what sort of beer style are you trying? So today we're using fresh Cascades straight from the farm. We're hoping for some really nice, bright citrus characters and chucking them in an American-style pale ale. And we're going to add the green hops to uh, during the whirlpool stage of our brew. Fantastic. And does that take any modification to your normal process? Uh, it, it's a big deviation because what we do is we remove all the grain from our mash tun, we give it a full CIP and basically turn it into a big hop back. And at the end of the boil, we chuck all the fresh hops into it and transfer the wort from our kettle on top of the hops in our mash tun. When people think of our hops, we want them to think of uniquely Aussie flavours. Green, fresh hop beers are just another way we present choice and diversity. 
If you see a green hop beer on the menu, try it. They only come around once a year in very limited volumes. G'day. Thanks for tuning in and taking a deep dive into our green hop program. Uh, joining me today, Scott Overdorf, co-founder and head brewer at the Hobart Brewing Company. HBC's been brewing since 2014 and in its current location in uh, the historic Red Shed down on Hobart's working waterfront uh, since 2016. That's right. Thanks very much for taking the time to come and have a chat about green hops, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Today, um, we're going to have a, a wide-ranging chat on the practicalities of brewing with green hops, some of the flavours we see, some of the factors we consider when we're, uh, whether it's conceiving a flavour or, or executing a brew. Tell me a bit about your brewing background and how do we come to be sitting here today in Hobart, Tasmania? Uh, well, uh, several decades ago, I, I found myself living in a, a small German ski town, Garmisch-Partenkirchen, where um, I had my beer epiphany. You know, the Budweiser drinking American, who's all of a sudden surrounded by all these beer styles I'd never heard That's of. That's you, the Budweiser drinking yeah, American. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was it, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I went back home, started home brewing. Hobby became passion, became an obsession. Late in life, I found myself uh, unemployed um, by choice and uh, had always thought of becoming a pro brewer. So one day I decided to walk around uh, to different breweries around Boulder, Colorado, um, knocked on the door of eight different breweries, got seven no's. Oscar Blues said, yep, come back tomorrow morning, eight o'clock. And so I started with Oscar Blues on their canning line. Uh, spent time doing that uh, before moving over to Mountain Sun, where I joined a team of six other brewers. Um, but I had also traveled to Tassie uh, a number of years before, and a day didn't go by in Colorado where I wasn't thinking of Tassie, so finally I convinced my Australian partner that it was time to move over here. And uh, Fantastic. Yep. Here we are. Here we are. And, um, and you've, uh, you've had a few different roles since you've been here in Tassie? Yes, uh, uh, literally got off the uh, spirit of Tassie, um, drove to Dover, Tasmania, near the end of the road, where a, 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 an ex-rugby player from Queensland had purchased the Dover pub and had an idea of building a, a brewery, uh, which I got hired um, to start. And at the same time, I met uh, you <laughs> along with your team at Moo Brew. And we'd come up to town on Fridays to, to keep in touch. And ironically, and literally, the day I got the call from this rugby player slash pub owner that he'd run out of money and the project was finished, um, you contacted me that afternoon and said, would you, would you like to come up to Moobrew? And yeah. And the rest is history, yeah. <laughs> yeah and from, from, from Moobrew to uh, Hobart Brewing Co. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. So. Um, one day at Moo Brew, Dave McGill, uh, then uh, head brewer and general manager, uh, asked me to come up to the office and I was scratching my head wondering what I had done in the previous 24 hours that may not have been the right thing. And he said, listen, uh, a guy came in yesterday um, with a business plan to start a brewery and I wouldn't be a mate if I didn't let you know because um, there might be an opportunity here for you. For you. Mm, That's right. right. Fantastic. And then... Met that uh, Brendan Parnell, mm -hmm. a lawyer in, here in town, and uh, uh, showed me his plan. Tried to talk him out of it and failed, and uh, here we are a number of years later. Fantastic. Running a successful brew pub down on the busy Hobart waterfront. 
Mm, it's good. It's worked. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long. It's been a great five years. So <clears throat> you've done a lot of green hop brewing at this point. You've done some out of Moo, and you've done one every year at HBC. That's right. Um, every year except for last year. Every with... year except for last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a Do you have a highlight? Do you have a favourite green hop beer that you've made in the past? Uh, I think there are two that that stand out. Um, there was a, a dark ale that we brewed at Moobrew, mm-hmm. um, and that beer particularly stands out um, for a reason that, you know, everybody thinks of fresh hop beers, we got to drink them fresh because the hops, you know, that uh, flavor profile and aroma is going to drop off, where I think that the mood dark that year, the harvest beer actually got better after mm-hmm. a couple of months. and the malt and the hops came together Mm -hmm. and and really with good complexity. Um, And then my favorite at Hobart Brewing was the the first beer that we brewed, which was a uh, Hoppy Saison, which we uh, used Galaxy. Yep. Yep. I think there was Galaxy in that brown as well. Mm. Do you remember the other hop? I thought it was Galaxy, and and at the time, uh, they were still growing Willamette. Oh, yeah. Yep. Out of of, of of HPA. Yeah, Yeah. out of Bushy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, great. Right. Might have been the last year they were. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a- excellent. And it is an interesting comment about that development of the flavor profile. I, I certainly recall in my experience um, uh, seeing the Cascade first harvest, some of the some of the very first wet hop beers um, in the modern times here in Australia. And I thought that their flavor profile sort of integrated and came together a bit more over time. Um, and, uh, and I think it makes sense in some ways that a beer will you know, level mm. out once it's in pack for a while. Yeah. Those darker malt bills do tend to uh, work a bit longer yeah. in the pack as well. So when you're considering, um, you know, approaching a, a harvest beer, approaching recipe design, are you coming at it from that sort of hop uh, impact and, and thinking about hops, or are you thinking about longevity, you're thinking about the final beer. How do you approach writing a green hop recipe? Well, it, I, th- I think for us, it's it's you know it's a once a year opportunity um, to brew something really unique that's going to be uh, different every year, um, and so we we're going for a focus on the hop, and so we want an impact from the hop, and so we. And we're also kind of, is there a beer style out there that we haven't had an opportunity to brew yet um, that would be a good choice that would showcase a hop and then we kind of pair the two. Um, though having said that, uh, we've probably used Galaxy more often than not yeah. in our fresh hop beers because of that impact that Galaxy has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So. Uh, you know, we've talked a bit in the rest of the virtual program with other brewers about how they approach hop trials and whatnot. And some have this diverse recipe approach and others have a very, you know, repeatable recipe that they put the hops on top to see the difference. Uh, um, am I right in saying that you're, you throw different beer styles in there um, for this harvest consideration? What, what hops are available? What are we going to make that will taste great? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. We, we mix it up every year. Yeah. Um, we, we use the same process with the way that we use the green mm-hmm, hops, mm-hmm. but the beer itself and the recipe we write is yeah, a different style yeah, yeah. And, and not something we've brewed before. Yeah. Let's get into some process um, considerations on the day. Um, you know, obviously, uh, this, I've been looking forward to this conversation for the whole harvest, <laughs> right? This is where we actually get to talk about making porridge, you know? <laughs> so, you know, uh, 
this is this is I think one of the more, most interesting sessions we're going to do. So, when considering a, the actual brew day mm-hmm. for a green hop beer, um, we've we've seen a few different scenarios both at the Moo Brew times. Can you describe what you do at HBC currently? Yeah. So um, what we do is we're going to at the end of the the boil. Um, we're going to transfer our, uh, the, the wort into our mash tun. So we're going to take our mash tun, uh, turn it into a, a hop back, and that process actually starts a few days before because, um, you know, we, we don't get under our plates in our mash tun mm-hmm. except for mm-hmm. once a year. Mm-hmm. And so we use the hop harvest as that reminder, hey, let's take the mash tun completely apart, give it a, a, a scrub, put it back together, and then on brew day, um, after the lauder is complete and we're uh, in boil, we'll get the grain out and we'll do a full CIP on that mash tun, including an acid cycle um, to prep it for yeah. um, using it as a hop back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we, we, we try to remember how we, because we have stainless, you know, it's all hard, hard piped. It's hard yeah, piped. Yeah. It's not hard piped to send work back to the um, mash tun. It's supposed we, to flow one way through and out. That's right. So we have to. We spend you know a bit of time scratching our heads. Mm. Where, where do we break it down? Breaking a few triclovers here and there. Yeah, yep. and putting a T on with some valves yep. and and soft hoses. Yeah. Let's say the wort's in the boil. Um, Lord of ton mash tun's ready to go. Doors closed. Hops go in. There's no wort in there at this point. Do the do you see the hops sitting? You know, I don't know, like four inches, six inches, a foot deep. Uh, it, yeah, it's at least six to eight inches because yeah. we're what we what we've developed as a process over the years is um, we take ten kilos of fresh hops, no matter what beer we're brewing, no matter what the bitterness level is. Mm-hmm. We take ten kilos put them into the kettle uh, at, at flame out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use brew in a bags. We can get five kilos of wet hops into a brew in a bag. So we put two bags, 10 kilos uh, total um, at flame out. And and then the rest of the hops that we're using uh, go into the mash tun. And, and usually it's six to eight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, and in, in the case of this year's beer, it was 50 kilos of hops in a 20 hectoliter brew. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Pretty aromatic at that point, is it? Oh, it's yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. You just want to dive in and and just roll around in them. And so you've you've you're throwing in uh, you're throwing in ten kilos in at flame out. Is that is that a, trying to address some layering in of, of different um, you know capturing different compounds to survive through into the final product? Yeah, it's it's a. Um, or just a hint of bitterness. Is there any pellets in the in the boil? No, for no. Or not? We, right. we don't use any uh, pellets in our mm-hmm. green hops. Hundred percent green hop beer. Um, but the, that ten kilos at flame out does. We we're more confident of the the bitterness we're going to get um, from that addition yep. than the bitterness we're going to get yep. from our mash tun. And so it's a bit of a hedge there, but it's but it's also a, a layering of flavor and air. air it makes sense because I think one of the one of the common failings in green hop is that, it do, that sometimes they don't address the basics, which is this bittersweet balance. Mm-hmm. Um, some are too bitter, and others, of course, um, you know, finish with a higher platos based on recipe or whatever, but they don't have the backbone of bitterness to make them enjoyable yeah. in that way. So I think it's pretty sensible to try and hedge your position there and and layer some in simply to make sure that there's enough backbone 
um, even at two and a half play day finishing or something like that, you, you're still going to need some bitterness in there to carry That's right. Yeah. 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 Have that tranquility. That's right. So you've got, you're about to knock over. Do you come in, um, do you come in underneath the plates and, and soak in and start steeping or do you, do you come in through a side port? You know, top of the hops. No, we're 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 essentially underletting, and mm-hmm. so coming up from the bottom. And as soon as um, we have the wort, mm, kind of not necessarily all the way through the hops, um, we'll turn the rakes on mm-hmm. and slowly uh, stir it yeah, as well so to agitate it just gently. Just yep to to make sure the hops yep. are breaking up and and we're getting saturation. Mm-hmm. Not for any other purpose. Not trying to. No. Not trying to really, really mix them. No, just, going really slow yeah, rate yeah, and yeah. yeah. And do you through through this process? Are you um, two questions? I guess are you aiming for some residence time on the word? Knock the word in, sit it and steep for 10, 20 minutes. Or no, no, we we're uh, yeah. What well, I guess our process is sort of um, as partly been influenced by Brian Watson, you know, mm-hmm, good George. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, our kid is a DME and at the time he was involved with setting up DMEs and he wasn't present when we commissioned, but he happened to be in Tassie for the hop harvest. And, um, and actually our first harvest beer was probably our 10th brew on the kit. And so he was really keen to come by mm. and see how the setup was working. And so he, he joined us on the brew day of our first fresh hop. And, and we, we talked at length about that because, you know, I was looking for some residence mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, Mm-mm-mm. you got to be careful. You know, you, you have too much residence time. You, you know, you run the risk of um, a little too much of that green, yeah. fresh, long cutting yeah. yeah. chlorophyll flavor. Yeah. And so... Um, we hem and hawed, and finally we said, okay, um, from you know that 10 kilos that's in the kettle, it's going to take us 20 minutes to, to move it over to the lauder ton. So those hops have 20 minutes mm-hmm. residence. And then the hops in the mash ton already have 20 minutes. And so we just start knocking out. As mm. soon as that whirlpool yeah, is finished. 20 minutes in, and then whatever, that, another 20 minutes out? Or uh, 30 to 40. Yeah, so they're, so mm. they're still getting 60 minutes mm. of mm. residence yeah, yeah. Um, without any kind of stand. Yeah, so there's really no need for standing. That's no. right. That's yeah. right. And do you, do you do any sort of you know sensory to see what's going on? Do you taste the word that's... Um, no. Like in pumping out stuff, no. That, well, I mean, you, <laughs> what we get's what we get. Exactly, it's it's always a bit yeah. of a moot point, isn't it? Yeah. Because you can't undo it, and it's still be, yeah. you're still going to have to pump out, aren't yeah. you? So. No, it just makes me more nervous. Yeah. And I'd have less hair than I <laughs> Maybe I'm a nervous guy. I don't know. Um, that's uh, that's excellent. So yeah, really, just um, no steeping time, just the pump in and pump out. A little a little turn on the rakes just to make sure that there's adequate saturation. Yeah, because you know we we. Over the years, we've done two fresh hop collaborations with Modus Operandi mm-hmm. when Dennis DeBear was mm-hmm. head brewer there. And, you know, he'd, he'd be like, oh, you know, do you have any more we can chuck in? And, and, and we were tasting the work from the kettle. And, and you, you not, you know, the mash tun, like we said, it was, you know, it's, uh, we already have what we have. But going from the kettle, mm. you know, you just wanted to have an idea of the bitterness level. And it's like, oh, it's plenty bitter, you know. Maybe we have too many, and he's like, "No, let's chuck in more." And so, it was that. That's where you just have to throw caution to the wind and 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 go for it. And mm. That's that's part of the uh, fresh hop experience is you you're building your own knowledge base 
based on experiential learning on a once a year sort of learning curve. Is yeah, yeah, a long time. Yeah, that's right. Once a year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess, uh, I guess, in that sense of that experiential learning and whatnot, do you do you think you're better positioned now to get consistent results? Yes, because well. We get consistent results. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> yeah, there's still you know there's still a lot there's so many variables um, that you can't predict um, you know the end result. So that that's the the biggest variable of all. You sit down, you write the recipe, you're brewing this style, you're using that hop, but you still don't know what you're going to have in the glass. But where we are, um, where we do have confidence, is in that level of bitterness because to me that that's what really. Um, impacts the level of drinkability. Um, nobody wants a beer that's overly bitter, and then if it's you know cloyingly sweet, that's you know, even worse. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, over the years, you know, I think at Moobrew we are starting at four grams a liter, mm -hmm. um, or four a ratio of four um, to one, uh, wet to, to pellets. Mm -hmm. When we started our or did our first brew at Hobart Brewing, we we went up. Uh, to five next year we went up to six now we're on eight to one um, <laughs> more hops yeah <laughs> yeah and so we're, we're pretty comfortable with that eight to one ratio and, wow. and that's regardless mm -hmm. of the style it, yeah. it's just yeah you know and it, yeah. did, like that guarantees your impact right eight to one that's going to definitely you get definitely some, have, <laughs> you're definitely going to yeah. get some impact yeah. do you do you think it increases your chance especially in this um uh in this lord of ton as a hop back model do you think it increases your, your um, chances of like you know i don't know vegetal chlorophyllic kind of mm. extraction those of those grippy phenolic off flavors yeah i don't know i mean you know this the science says that with with a higher gravity you know more dense wort um and even you know more massive hops you're you're actually losing um, your utilization is mm. decreasing, mm. so I, I like to think that you have that same effect with the you know the with, with problem compounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like the beneficial compounds are on a uh, diminishing returns basis, but the problem <laughs> compounds just go like this, right? Yeah, that could be. Um, yeah, that's the brewer's challenge. Isn't but the, but in, in you know, and that's something that you 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 know at our scale, you can only pick up sensory at mm. at the end of the project. Mm. 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 Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so I guess, uh, let's fast forward. We've, we're knocked out of the brew house. Uh, we're in tank. Yep. Have you considered wet dry hopping? Um, I, over the years, um, I, I've been of two minds, um, at, at Moo, we used to, to wet dry hop and I, I think, you know, we had good results. Um, but th that process evolved from the early days to you know the way they do it now um in a way that we couldn't duplicate at, at ours mm -hmm. and uh so at the um the beers that we've brewed to date um we've used enough uh hops in the hop back in the mash town at that eight to one yep. ratio that you know with the two years we brewed ipas they were definitely had plenty of hop character mm -hmm. without a dry wet hop um, but this year, uh, we, we brewed a, um, a pale ale, American-style pale ale with Cascade mm -hmm. hops. You know, it was kind of wanted to poke, poke the bear on top of the hill um, <laughs> with their first harvest, partly because uh, Cascade's first harvest was one of the, the first wet hop beers I remember drinking, mm -hmm. you know, nearly 20 years ago. 
and um, and we just happened to get our hands on some hops uh, post fermentation that we hadn't been planning on, and it's like, well, we can make use of those hops. Let's let's chuck them in, and. And so one of the things that we've always been concerned about was how, because of the water content of the fresh hops, they're very incredibly buoyant. So how do you put them in your fermenter as a wet dry hop and actually get them um, to submerge? Saturate, yeah, yeah, to actually and, get liquid through. Exactly, to, to actually mm. extract you know, the compounds. And, and so I was a bit dubious, but we got brewing a bags, you know, filled the bags up, put a butterfly valve in each bag just because we could. And uh, we were going to tie them up, um, you know, the string from the bag. I was going to put a tri-clover uh, above the spray ball in the fermenter mm -hmm. and then, you know, clamp off yep. the rope from yep. each bag. Yep. Um, and the level of the beer in the tank was too low, so it wouldn't reach. So I'm like, ah, they're going to float anyway. So I just chucked the bags in with the idea that I'd come back 48 <laughs> hours later and, and pull them out before we started uh, the cold conditioning. And I came back, opened up the tank, and the hops were gone. And uh, so that dispelled that myth of... Um, the, the buoyancy issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then that was a Friday afternoon special. So then I had to stress all weekend to uh, because we were scheduled to transfer the beer the following week as to whether um, the bags of the, the wet hops were wrapped around my racking port and you know submerged deep enough that they locked Locked the dump valve and everything. Yeah. <laughs> no question of saturation at this point, though, so that's a win. <laughs> we'll get the flavor. <laughs> Can we get the beer? Yeah, but then that, that, that made me stress about, we talked about the residency mm. time in the mash tun mm. extracting all that. So I, I had in my mind, you know, 48 hours wet dry hop out, um, you know, because of the, 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 the bad compounds we don't mm. want in there. Mm. So now they're going to be in there at least five days, so more than double mm. that time. So I had a bit of the stress about that yeah. as well. Yeah. And um, so, you know, there's a few technical challenges in dry hopping. We've, we've spoken about those in other sessions. Did you get the opportunity to consider how, how wet hop and hop creep might interact? Well, yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because, uh, no, I didn't. And um, <laughs> we haven't had an issue with hop creep in the past because we haven't done a post-fermentation mm -hmm. addition um, with a, a green hop beer. But this time, I guess I got we got a little excited with the availability of these hops. And to be honest, the, the timing that we got them was not the right time to be adding them. Uh, the, the beer had already completely fermented. The, the ambient temperature in the tank had already dropped down around 17 degrees. Yep. It was ready to be um, start cold conditioning. Um, but the, the idea of adding 30 more kilos of, of green hops to this pale ale was just too enticing. So we went, went ahead with it anyway. You've been brought unstuck by your own more hops. That's right. So, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be... Uh, the beer was kegged last week. It's mm. on tap. It's, mm. it's drinking well. Um, there are no signs of, of you know, a, a secondary yeah. diacetyl spike yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, so no evidence of, of hop creep. Fantastic. So American Pale made with wet Cascade from Bushy Park. Um, how's the... Oh, and the, uh, oh, and the secret edition. Yeah. And how's the flavor profile? How's, it, how's the actual beer come out? Yeah, it's, it's come out... Um, well, as we talked about earlier up at the farm, you know, that, that the, the, the fresh hops, no matter what you're using, is going to have that fresh and vibrant um, character, a um, bit herbaceous. Uh, it's 
not the characters that you would expect if you're using Cascade pellets. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an interesting kind of tropical fruit character that's almost like an exotic style fruit you'd get from Thailand or somewhere else in Asia that's mm. um, like a lychee or a, yep. you know something else. But uh, almost like a candied um, fruitiness as well. Yeah. But there's also you know a touch of woodiness. Um, you know we were chatting mm-hmm. earlier about mm-hmm. potentially the, the higher in myrcene and yeah. And a couple of the comments we've had is this pale ale drinks a bit like a lager, and mm. uh, and whether some of that the green hop flavors are influencing that. Mm. Um, yeah, because we know you know of the oil fraction of the compounds that make up the oil, the total oil, myrcene is the highest fraction. Um, it doesn't have great survivability, but in the wet hop setting, it's such a preponderance of myrcene there that it, I, I feel like they've all got. Uh, like a, a woody myrcene mm. note to them and it's it's, it's almost for me a, a style defining green hop character it's sort of you can tell if there's been a nice blend of pellet and, and green hop or if it's it's just green hops in there and um, you know I think it's I think it's almost like truth in advertising you need a bit of that um, cut grass a bit of the myrcene <laughs> driven woodiness yeah. And, yeah, but but then like in this whole visioning exercise of trying to deliver a flavour, you you're making an APA with Cascade. Everyone should, everyone, probably our audience, being professional brewers, is going to think, oh yes, I know what that's going to taste like. Right, and it's actually quite different. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a different beer, mm-hmm. and and you know, and again, that that's part of the, um, uh, you know, it's the challenge, it's the excitement because you know you set out on this. Um, path of brewing a new beer mm. but you, you know through experience you can get predictable results on most most other brews you do but with a green hop beer mm. that's out the window start with a start with a vision and see how you go yeah that's right let's um we sort of talk <laughs> through the process and the final beer how do you how do you value this harvest beer concept and why do you like you're you're very committed to it you do it almost every year um why why is it important to you and why is it something that you think your beer drinker values and needs to know about um i, I think because of the the connection um brewing has with agriculture you know and 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 for us being in hobart and and the majority of uh commercially grown hops in australia being grown just up the road from us um you know that's something that's really kind of special for us you know we've we've built our core beers around um, Australian hops and so for us to be able to come up to the farm once a year you know I said in the beginning you know it's it marks the passage of time mm-hmm. and um, so I, I like that connection being able to come up to the farm see see the the harvest in action um, see some people we see once a year yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, but also the I think with the punters it's it's giving them again a once a year um, really unique opportunity to drink a beer that they're not going to get from anybody else they won't be able to get it from Mm. us a second time Mm. you know it's a a, it's a one-time opportunity to try something really different and and fresh and vibrant and and you know it may not always hit expectation but it's you know you're you're learning about a uh 
you know, as a brewer, hops are probably are my mm. favorite ingredient in beer um, because they're so expressive. And, and the way green hops are expressed versus pellets are yeah. completely different. And so, you know, for me, it's just sharing that with the punter mm. to, to say, mm. you know, this is, you know, what's grown up the road. Um, this is what we can do with it. This was fresh. It was picked. We brewed with it within 24 hours. Here you go. Do, do you get feedback from your bar staff that... that Customers are looking at the menu boards. Oh, yeah, Harvest Ale. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they go straight to really? it. Really? Yeah, so uh, it yeah. is. And, you know, at our tap room at the brewery, you know, we've we've made a, a thing of, um, you know, we have a core range of beers, but we also brew seasonal beers. Mm-hmm. And, and the Harvest Beer is, is one of those beers. In the calendar. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And, and so people, you know, have that expectation that we'll have it. Has You've been brewing here in Tassie for a long time. Has the conversation from... The, the drinkers, the word punter might not be too familiar to some of our audience in the US and, and, and uh, over in Europe. So uh, it's just a colloquialism for uh, drinker. <laughs> the, do you think the conversation with the punters has changed over the bar? Do you, do you feel like they're coming from a higher like knowledge base about hops now? So when they see a harvest beer, they ask a better question? Uh... Yes and no. I think um, you know the for the for the average punter drinker, they're they're you know they're interested in the variety of the mm-hmm. hop, and then you know the next question may be, what other beers do you brew that has that same hop? Yeah. And you know, and, and what are the difference in the characters between mm-hmm. that beer and, and this one that I'm drinking as a harvest beer? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know with you know, locally, you know, we were mentioning Cascade First Harvest. I mean, they were brewing that a long mm. time ago. So mm. I think for local drinkers, you know, mm. it's something they're familiar with. Mm. And um, you're right, it, it, like 2002 maybe for yeah. Cascade First Harvest in, in, in this setting. And then, you know, the Bushy Park Estates have been, well, we've been growing hops in Tasmania since 1803. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and in, in, in since yeah. joining the hop company, yeah. it's amazing how much it, that the history and the general knowledge of hop mm. is, permeates through the local area. And I know that it's the same in other hop growing regions uh, yeah. around the world. You go another hundred k's out of the hop growing region, yeah, yeah, nothing, zero. Yeah, but but for the communities around our regions, the level, the base level of knowledge. Oh yes, my grandmother used to catch the train up to up to Bushy <laughs> Park and pick hops, or you know that the connection yeah. with the hop growing industry yeah. is really strong, and I, yeah. I think we benefit from it um, here in here in Hobart for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thanks very much for taking the time to come mm-hmm. down and join us, and uh, and I hope I hope our audience has got something out of. Uh, a bit of a deep dive into the processes you have down at Hobart Brewing Co. Um, I'm sorry to say for uh, everyone watching this and especially uh, playing back the recordings, I'm going to be able to go down there on Friday afternoon and have one. <laughs> I'm so sorry you can't join me. But, Scotto, thank you. Uh, I look forward to Pleasure. look forward to having you on the farm again next year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Thank you. Cheers. You can download a full transcript of this conversation with links to other information in the show notes to this episode. Brewery Pro content is presented by Brews News and is designed for the brewing industry professional. If you have any suggestions for topics that we can cover, email us at cheers at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you for listening.